High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Well, how many of you love the Lord today? Do you love the Lord? Do you love Jesus? Do you love the Lord? Amen. How many know it's good whenever we come to the house of the Lord? The Bible said that in the presence of the Lord, there is joy forevermore, right? At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. There's, there's joy in the presence of the Lord. Listen, whenever we come to church, it should be the most joyous place that you can ever go to. Better than any party. You know why? Because we're celebrating Jesus every time we come together. We're celebrating the fact that we're born again. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're celebrating the fact that the devil is underneath our feet. Amen. We're celebrating the fact that we have been redeemed by precious blood and we're overcomers in Christ. Hallelujah. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Amen. We celebrate because of the gifts of the Spirit that are dwelling inside of us and manifesting through us. We celebrate because of what God's doing in the earth. Listen, I believe that we live in the greatest moment ever to live upon the face of this planet. Amen. You were born at the right time. You may say, well, there's all kind of horrible things going on right now. There's, there's, there's evil that's going on. Listen, the Bible says that wherever sin abounds, grace does much more abound. How many know that God is greater than anything that may be going on in the culture or in the world? Do you believe that the power of God is greater do you believe that the grace of God is greater? Do you believe that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is greater than any darkness that might be out there right now? I do. Amen. And we need to stand upon that rather than getting into a, a fatalistic position, gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark depression. I don't know if anybody ever saw Hee Haw. I can't even use that anymore as I've gotten older. I realize nobody's seen it. You know, you got to be 60 or older to even see Hee Haw. Did anybody ever see Hee Haw? Did you see it? And I don't know if anybody remembers, you know, the gloom, despair, agony on me. Oh, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. Oh, if it weren't for. And listen, a lot of people live their lives that way. I'm talking about born-again, spirit-filled believers. It's bad. It's bad. You know, it's awful. And that's what they focus on. Why don't we get our eyes off of everything going on in the world and the culture and get our eyes on who we need to have our eyes on? Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? That's who we need to have our eyes on. If you're turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I better get to preaching here this morning like I haven't already, but I, I want to share some things. We're continuing this series from ordinary to extraordinary. You know, one of the things that you really need to get down on the inside of your spirit is that God wants to do something extraordinary within your life. You may feel like you're ordinary. You may feel like you're less than ordinary. Anybody ever been there? You feel like you are the least. You are the person, like the oddball out, you know? And I'll tell you, the, a lot of times the enemy will use that to attempt to separate you from the people of God, to attempt to separate you from the destiny and the purpose that God has for your life. But I have good news for you today. Hear this. God loves taking what is ordinary and making something extraordinary out of it. God loves taking nothing and making something out of it. Hallelujah. And that means this. For every single one of us that are here, there is hope for us. Look at somebody and say, there's hope for you. So in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, it says this. For you see your calling, brethren. Notice this. 
that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Paul is speaking in here and he's saying, look, when you look at, at the church today and you look at what God is doing and who God is using, he's not calling the mighty. He's not calling necessarily those that are wise with the wisdom of the world. He's not calling those who are noble. He's not calling necessarily those who are in high positions in lofty places. But notice verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things. Hallelujah. He has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things. Everybody say the weak things. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I shared a message about Gideon. And, you know, whenever you read Gideon's story, Gideon says, look, uh, my tribe is the weakest of all of Israel. Not only is my tribe the weakest of all of Israel, but my family, my clan is the weakest within the tribe. Oh, and by the way, one more thing, I'm the weakest of the clan. And so, you know, Gideon was saying, you know, I am absolutely nothing. I am weak. I have no ability within myself. But how many of you know that God took a very ordinary man, maybe we even could even call him less than ordinary, and made something extraordinary out of him? Hear this. There's hope for each and every one of us. God wants to use you. I don't care what side of the tracks you came up on. Okay, I don't care if you want, if you came up on the north side, the south side, the east side, the west side, or right in the middle of the tracks. Hear this. God will do something great within your life if you will just put your life within his hands. Amen? Stop looking at your own natural ability. Listen, God is not limited by your natural ability. As a matter of fact, what I have found most of the time, what God wants to do within your life is beyond your natural ability. And let me tell you why. Because at the end of the day, you can't beat yourself on the chest and say, look what I did. Look how great I am. You know what? We have to, only thing we can do is bow and throw our crowns at the feet of Jesus and say, God, you are the author. You are the one who has done this within my life. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Amen. And that's what God loves to do. He loves to, if you feel like, I'm saying all this to encourage you, if you've been beaten over the head and you feel like you're nothing and you feel like you don't have anything to offer, that's good. Oh, what a shock that was. That's good. You know why? Because you are the prime candidate. If you feel like you got it all together and you're all that in a bag of potato chips and an RC cola and a moon pie too, you probably are disqualified yourself because you're leaning on the flesh. You're leaning on your natural ability. You're leaning on what you can do. And God doesn't want you to lean on what you can do. He wants you to be totally 100% dependent upon him for what he wants to do through you. Are y'all getting anything out of this? So God's chosen the foolish thing. God's chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. If you're despised, somebody's despised you, listen, God's chosen you, hallelujah. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. And here's verse 29, this is the kicker, that no flesh should glory in his presence. That's the reason he does it. He doesn't want flesh to glory. He doesn't want somebody to say, look what my might, look what my power has built me. As a matter of fact, when you read over there in Deuteronomy chapter 
I believe it's in uh, chapter uh, 28, he actually warns the people of Israel as they're going into the land of Canaan. And he says this, he says, whenever you built houses and whenever you've seen me bless you and you've seen your flocks multiply and whenever you've seen me bring great prosperity within your life, don't you say my might and my power has gotten me this wealth. But it is, you will remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get well. Listen, my friend, if it weren't for the Lord, you wouldn't have oxygen to breathe in the morning. If it weren't for the Lord, there wouldn't be nerve impulses moving from your brain into your legs and to every other member of your body to even give you any strength to even go to work. But how many of you can lift your hands today and say, I serve a mighty God, and to him goes all the glory and all the praise for anything that would ever be accomplished. Amen? God always anoints the people that seem like they are the least likely to be anointed. I have to be honest with you. I've seen God anoint some people that I would not have anointed. You ever seen some people and you go, why did you anoint them? Can we just be real? Have you ever seen, actually would know some people and, I, and you think, why did, Lord, why did you anoint them? That person to me would have been a better candidate. That person would have been better in this situation. But God anoints the people that are the least likely to be anointed. And this is the reason why I want you to hear this. Every time you see that or witness it, it means this. You can be used. If God can use them, he can surely use you, right? If God can use them, then surely the Lord can use Keith. Amen. If God can use them, then surely God can use Cameron. Right? Amen. I'm glad you're enthused about that, Cameron. If God can use them, listen, God can use whoever, whosoever will just place their life in the hands of the Lord. God says, I'm wanting to use you. I'm wanting to anoint you. I'm wanting to make something extraordinary out of you. Don't you think that you've got to be all that and you have to have everything all put together? If you will just submit your life to me and you're willing to go through the process, I'm telling you, your life will be changed. God makes Moses a spokesman for Israel. God makes him the defender, so to speak. He makes him like the lawyer that's representing the client. In other words, God says, Moses, I'm sending you to deliver a word to Pharaoh. Let my people go. You're going to defend my people, and you're going to defend the covenant that I've made with them. You go there and tell them, but Lord, I can't speak. Right. That's the reason I'm choosing you. Are you hearing me? Lord, I can't speak. Well, you know what? I could have chose a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are back there in Egypt that I could have chosen. But I found the guy that stutters all the time. I found the guy who can't even put a sentence together right. And he's the one that I'm going to anoint to lead an entire nation out of slavery and out of captivity, my friend. You know why? Because Moses couldn't beat himself on the chest and then say, look what I did. He has to say, to God be the glory, great things he has done. I don't know if anybody remembers the song Andre Crouch wrote many, many years ago, My Tribute. Anybody remember that song? You know, how can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved 
yet you gave to prove your love for me. See, anybody remember this? The voices of a million angels. I pitched it too high. Could not exp Yes. My gratitude, all that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. To God, this is really high, be the glory to God, be the glory to God, be the glory. To God be the glory, great things he has done. It is a, to me be the glory. Look how I've labored and worked. It's not to me be the glory. I'm on the cover of Rolling Stone. I'm sorry, Charisma Magazine. I mean, we've got a lot of ministers. They, they know, it, I don't know if anybody remembers. I've got, I got a lot of songs flowing through my head today. That's just happens when I get up here. Anybody remember a long time ago, there was a song that was called On the Cover of the Rolling Stone. Anybody remember? On the cover of the Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone. Come on, Gil, you remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rolling Stone. Give me the words. I'm, I'm going to see my face on the cover. Gonna buy five copies for my mother. <laughs> Gonna get see my smiling face on the cover of the Rolling Stone. You know, a lot of Christians, they're just waiting. I can't wait to get my picture on the cover of Charisma Magazine or Ministries Today. I want to be famous. I want to have a name. I want to be able to beat myself on the chest. And I'm telling you, every bit of that is all vanity. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Look at somebody and say, that's nothing but vanity. Listen, you should never, I just say just in general, you should never strive for fame and name. Listen, if, if God wants to do that in your life, then great and wonderful, but don't try to strive for it. You got the wrong motive if that's what you're looking at, if that's what you're going after. If you want to be the biggest and the best and, you know, when, when, how big is big enough? You know, it's like people cannot get enough. And what we have to realize, you know, we need to be content in the call that God has placed upon our lives, walk down the path that God has set before us. And if it means I'm ministering to five people or 500 or 5,000 or 50,000 or 500,000 or 5 million or however 50 million or 500 million or 5 billion, it doesn't matter. The reality is this, I'm going to be content doing what God called me to do and I'm going to stay in my lane. Amen. We have people that are never happy. They never have enough. And we, we begin to adapt. This is a different message altogether. But we begin to adapt the way that the world does things. And we try to Christianize it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? We try to Christianize the things that the world's doing. And understand this. We don't have to do it and shouldn't be doing it the way that the world does it. You know, Jesus said, that, hey, who's going to be great among you? Let, him, let, let the least of you. If you're going to be great, then you be the servant of all. Come on. You know, I, I, the, the attitude that most people have is if I'm gonna if I wanna be great, then that's below me to do that. Oh, everybody know, I, you know what, these toilets in here, I think I have scrubbed every single one of them. Because there's nothing below me. And by the way, if there's any staff member that isn't willing to scrub a toilet, then they won't stay a staff member. 
Well, thank you for that overwhelming response. I don't care how talented you are or how gifted you are. If you're not willing to do the things to be a servant to all, then my friend, that you, not, you don't need to even be in the pulpit. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you for that overwhelming response. See, God's always chosen ordinary people to display his power within the earth. Abraham was a herdsman. He becomes the father of faith. And by the way, whenever you read the life of Abraham, Abraham was messed up, guys. I'm telling you. Abraham was really messed up. You see all the things that he does? He lies about his wife, tells him his sister, he's a sister, that she's his sister because he was afraid that they might kill him. You know, so I'm going to tell him you're my sister. You know, I'm going to let these other guys hit on you. I mean, what kind of husband does that? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm telling you what, whenever my wife and I go somewhere, I let everybody know, this is my wife. That's right. That's my wife. Yeah. Right? That's my wife. You know, one, I, she makes me look a whole lot better. <laughs> right? Right, Will? She makes you look a whole lot better. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, no contest whatsoever. Right? Right. Every, every single person, Ruthie, make, Gil, I'm sorry, but man, you didn't have a chance without her, all right? <laughs> all right? Just forget it. Just forget it, you know? But the reality is we won't even talk about Pastor Garrett. I picked on him last time, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> he married out of his league. <laughs> See, but most people, okay, come in, this is my wife. You know, we were in a place yesterday, and my wife wasn't there the first part, and I felt almost like I was naked, you know, it's like, because I'm so used to her being right beside me all the time. I feel like, where's my wife? You know? And then she comes in, and I take her around. I'm going to show everybody. Yeah. I know I married out of my league, but she makes me look good. Abraham doesn't do that. That's my sister. I don't want anybody to mess with me. I'm afraid of this guy over here. He might, because you're so beautiful, he might kill me in order to have you. And so, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lie about it. You know? Abraham does all kind of crazy things, but God calls, us, calls him to be the father of faith. David was just a shepherd boy, and he became the greatest king of Israel. Peter, James, and John were fishermen, okay? If you want to know what fishermen look like, um, nothing wrong with fishermen. Charles, Charles is a fisherman, okay. I got to be careful how I say this. <laughs> but listen, usually fishermen have the smell of fish on them. You ever know that? notice that? You fishermen don't, you know, they come home from a, from a day's work and they don't smell good, right? Their wives aren't wanting to kiss them I don't care how good the day was, right? They come in smelling like fish, and the first thing goes say, get in this shower right now. Don't come near me until you take a shower. Well, that's who Jesus calls. He's walking down by the seashore. See, there's three stinky guys. He said, mm, you're good candidates to be a disciple of mine. Three, the three guys that stink the worst. They're the most successful fishermen, but they stink the word. You are the candidates that I'm going to use. Follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Opportunity that is presented to them to go from ordinary to extraordinary. Hallelujah. Amen? They became the greatest and the closest disciples of Jesus. They were the three that were with Jesus whenever he went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They became later became a great apostles of a church. Luke was a doctor who then 
became a, not only became a disciple of Jesus, but he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then also he wrote Acts. Levi was a tax collector. He became a great disciple of Jesus. Anybody ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? I don't know if you know this, but before Smith Wigglesworth became the apostle of faith, Smith was a plumber, okay? Plumber. Seymour Crack Plumber. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Wigglesworth was a man who was showing off his butt all the time, and praise the Lord, God turned him around. God saved him. God brought forth an anointing. He became the great apostle of faith, and there was mighty, mighty miracles that were done, great revivals that were done. Listen, God can use anybody. Hallelujah. Amen. Are y'all getting anything out of this? I mean, whenever I've, I, thank God I haven't had any recent problems, but anytime I've ever, very rare, but you know, you have a plumber come over. Is there any plumbers here today? Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you or anything like that. <laughs> but most of the time you think, and by the way, how many of you are thankful for plumbers? That's a hug for me to you, just to let you know. The point I'm trying to make in all of this, Mr. Wigglesworth, he's just a plumber, okay? A needed vocation is something that we actually need, right? He's serving people in the way of fixing their pipes, making sure that the water is flowing because it is not good when you have a backup and the water's not flowing, right? So can everybody say, thank you, Jesus, for plumbers. God takes a plumber in England, across the pond, and says, I'm going to anoint this man. And I'm going to cause him to bring forth a word that's going to liberate not only that nation, but even will travel over into the United States and will able to be, because it was noised abroad of what God was doing through Smith's ministry. As a matter of fact, I remember one of the first books I read when I was a teenager was actually a book by Smith Wigglesworth, Christ the Healer. I don't know if anybody's ever read the book. I was one of the first books that I read, not the first, but one of the first books I read, Christian books. I thank God that I got hold of some good stuff to start out with, Christ the Healer. And I grabbed that and I read that. I mean, such revelation and understanding about Jesus being the healer, John G. Lake. <clears throat> For you that don't know, he was a mighty healing revivalist and evangelist, uh, particularly in the, uh, the early 20th century. But John G. Lake was actually a roofer and a construction worker. Are any roofers and construction workers here this morning? Yeah, I know we got some construction workers. Listen, what I'm telling you is this, and this is not to demean your profession at all. Does everybody understand that? This in no way demeans any profession because, I mean, obviously God used accountants. That's basically what a tax collector is. He's in one way a glorified accountant, right, Chuck? <laughs> you know, they know account, they have to know accounting to be, to be able to be a tax collector and know who's paid their taxes and who hasn't paid their taxes and they're keeping books and all the other things. And, you know, God used uh, a tax collector and called him to be one of his disciples. And what I'm telling you in all of this, you don't have to be anything great. 
Because God's not looking for somebody who's already great. God's looking for somebody that he can make great. God's looking for somebody that he can turn their life around. He's just looking for ordinary people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I will tell you that the road and the path, and Pastor Joshua shared such a powerful message last week about Elisha, and I was going to piggyback on that, but I'm not going to have enough time because it kind of went down a different road. But the reality is this, that this, this is the thing we have to realize. Elisha was willing to go through the process to go from ordinary to extraordinary. Elisha is not one that resisted the process. And there's so many people today that resist the process. You know, and the first thing, the first place that Elisha had to go and with Elijah is he had to go to Gilgal. Gilgal is the place of reformation. It is the place, the wheel turning. It's a place of turnaround within your life. It's also the place of cutting. Everybody say cutting. You know what? If you're going to be made into something great, you got you to be willing to allow God to cut on you. Right? Because you may think that there's nothing wrong with you, you know? And anytime your spouse and you get into any kind of discussion, I'm sure you're very defensive because you've never done anything wrong, all right? You, know, you got it all together. But the reality is this. God wants to do some cutting on you. He wants to cut off some flesh, right? How many of you are married to somebody that you know that there might need to be a little flesh cut off? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to start... I'm going to have to do a bunch of counseling if you raise your hand. But how many of you know there's some things probably within their life that aren't exactly right? There's some things that need to be cut off. There's some attitudes that might need to be reshaped and reformed. There's some perspectives that might need to change. There's some ungodly beliefs that are there that God wants to cut off and replace them with biblical understanding and biblical beliefs. And listen, every single one of us have to be willing to go under God's knife. And God's got a knife for you. And it's not always something, because, you know, think about this, 40 years old, and you've been walking in the wilderness for 40 years, and all of a sudden, the, you know, Joshua wakes up one day, and, you know, and he says, hey, you know what we're going to do today? Today's circumcision day. What? What's that? Oh, that's where we're going to actually cut off something near the most sensitive part of your body. What? Are you sure, Joshua? Yes, that's what the Lord said. Are you sure the Lord told you that right and and Joshua said, and so 40 year old men have to line up in a line and by the way I want to just listen there wasn't the days of modern medicine that we have today where we have surgical knives he says he says make some make some knives get this out of Flintstone I thought Flintstone was something that you watched on TV as a cartoon Take some flintstone and make a knife, and that's what we're going to do the surgery with. Listen, I don't. I, I listen. I thank the Lord, and I think about the bravery of the first man, first man that got in that line. They might have had to drag him up there, you know, and him fighting all the way. But the reality is this. God said, before you go into the land to take possession of the promise, you got to allow some cutting to go on within your life. You can't go in and take the territory and hear this. If you're going to become extraordinary in the kingdom of God, then you have to say, God, cut off whatever needs to be cut off. If there's anything in my life that needs to be spoken to, if there's anything that needs to be adjusted, then Lord, have your way within my life. you got to throw yourself on the altar and say, God, burn up whatever is not like you. Amen.
I believe that God is bringing forth an extraordinary anointing within your life. I believe that he wants to use you in ways that you never even dreamed possible. But it's going to start with this. You say, Lord, I'm willing to go through the process to be made into that extraordinary person that you want me to be. How many of you want to, how many of you want to be more than an ordinary spouse and you want to be an extraordinary spouse? How many of you want to be more than an ordinary businessman and you want to be an extraordinary businessman? How many of you want to be more than just an, ex, an ordinary church member? Hmm. I said, how many of you want to be more than just an ordinary church member? You know what I'm saying? Ordinary church member, you know, we show up every now and when we feel like showing up. That's pretty much the ordinary in church today. You know what the extraordinary church member is? I was glad when they said, let us go in the house of the Lord. Come on, kids. Come on, honey. We're going to get in the car and we're going to be happy all the way. Hallelujah. And every time the doors are open, we're going to be in the house of the Lord and we're going to serve. Not only are we going to serve, we're going to tithe. I say, we're going to tithe. <laughs> We're going to be givers. We're going to give of ourselves. We're going to give of everything that we have to the kingdom of God. See, that's an extraordinary believer. See, God wants to make some extraordinary believers out of some of you that have just been ordinary. God wants to make an extraordinary spouse out of some of you that have just been ordinary spouses. You know what? And your spouse has been frustrated with you being ordinary because they're expecting something extraordinary. Right? Well, praise the Lord. I tell you what, it sure did get quiet in this Presbyterian church. I mean, awfully, awfully quiet. How many of you want to be an extraordinary businessman in the community? That means this, you're doing things with integrity. You're doing it right. How many of you want to be an extraordinary employee? That means you show up on time. That means you're the first one there and the last one to leave. Amen? That's the best being an extraordinary employee. You go above and beyond the call. You go the second mile. See, that's what God wants to do within your life. Would you stand to your feet today? Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.